In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Robert Clapper is the head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai Medical Center. Each Saturday morning, and it's time for Dr. Clapper. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> this is the Weekend Warrior Show presented by Cedar sinai on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Yes, Doc. I love your show. Thank you. Um, now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warriors Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedar sinai for 31 years. Wow, what a big week I had in surgery. It was so much fun, I can't wait to tell you all about it. Interesting cases. One of them was actually using a cadaver. This is someone who passed away, most likely from a motorcycle accident, where they'll use their heart, they'll use their kidneys for people who are on dialysis or someone who needs a heart transplant. But in part of that, harvesting their organs, they'll take tendons and bones for people like me to use on patients where I can't use their own body parts to fix their injury. And the great Kobe Bryant, who inspired the whole idea of biologically fixing injuries, where he went to Germany. Yes, I did a platelet-rich plasma procedure to someone who partially tore their tendon, their quadriceps tendon. I can't wait to tell you all about it. It was an amazing week. And certainly so many hip and knee and shoulder implants. Um, and some of them on weekend warrior patients. I'll always ask a patient, to what do I owe this pleasure? Who sent you to see me? Oh, Dr. Clapper, I've been listening to you for years on the Weekend Warrior Show. It makes me so happy. Big smile to my face, and we'll get into it. But what really makes me so excited today is my guest, He's calling in at 8.15, and you talk about a legend in sports in Los Angeles. It doesn't get any better than my guest at 8.15, the great Keith Erickson. In 1968, he joined the Lakers, who had just signed Will Chamberlain, and four years later, they won a championship. Well, don't forget his success at UCLA with Coach John Wooden, where he won two NCAA basketball championships. He then became the announcer with Chick Hearn, the game where Dr. J rocked the baby dunk against the Lakers. He called that game with Chick Hearn in 1983. He's seen it all. He's done it all. And when I spoke to him before this show was set up, I asked him, Keith, who encouraged you to do these great things? Where did it come from? And at 8.15, he's going to tell us. But it made me think all week about two things. Where does encouragement come to go beyond your wildest dreams in life? Yes, there's an inner voice, but there's usually someone who's motivating you. And in case of sports, it's usually a coach. But it's usually that high school coach. It's not necessarily Bill Belichick telling Tom Brady he can do everything. 
If we talked to Tom Brady, he would say, you know what? It was my high school coach. So it made me think about who is that encouraging voice in art, in sports, and in surgery. But it also made me think about 1968, because that's when Keith Erickson joined the Lakers. That's when social unrest in this country, in my lifetime, came to the forefront, just like we're seeing today. So I look back at both 1968 in the world of art, in the world of sports, and in the world of surgery, and I look back at encouragement, and that led to this. In art, Rebecca, let's play this song that I want to talk about. It's called Grazing in the Grass, a number one hit in 1968, and I want to talk about the person behind this revolutionary song that hit the airwaves in 1968. His name was Yu Masakela, and he's from South Africa, and had to leave that country because of apartheid, came to America, and after a lot of heavy work and encouragement by Harry Belafonte, here is his number one hit. Uh, it's called Grazing in the Grass. It was written by another African from Zambia. But it was Yu Masakela who took that song and his trumpet and rose to the number one hit. But it didn't happen without someone encouraging him. And that someone was Harry Belafonte. Later, he writes a song that becomes the anthem to get Nelson Mandela freed from prison. The song he wrote, the trumpet he played. Let's listen to that song as well, which is so important to hear, particularly in times like this. Let's hear you, Masakela, bring him back home. Wait till you hear his story, which will be coming up. What about in sports? In 1968, someone who was encouraged to literally go beyond his wildest dream. Well, in 1968 was the Mexico City Olympics. And in the high jump in track and field, there was a mediocre, truly, track and field high jumper. His name was Dick Fosbury. He was an engineer, and he realized, both as an athlete as and as an engineer, it ain't going to happen for him as a high jumper. The fact that he was even the Olymp- in the Olympics was, was amazing, but he was nothing close to the best in the world. The Germans particularly looked at the way he jumped and made fun of him. Guess what Dick Fosbury did? He blew everyone out of the water. And won the gold medal. Why? Because he decided to do the high jump upside down and backwards. No one had ever done it before. But as an engineer, he realized he could keep his center of gravity below the bar by going over the bar backwards. Needless to say, all these years later, if you want to be a high jumper, you're copying the Fosbury flop, which is what it was called. 
How did he do that? He Well, he was encouraged by his coaches to literally go beyond his wildest dreams. And in a minute, you're going to hear his story as well. Clapper Vision, I can't wait to get the clinic open to talk to you, the weekend warrior. But I got a great one because now that the NBA is going to be back, who do I want to see the most as a Laker fan? Yes, Alex Caruso, LeBron James. We want to see Anthony Davis. But you know, as an orthopedic surgeon, who do I want to see? I want to see Kevin Durant because of the new way we fix Achilles tendons. It is not a career-ending injury anymore. We don't put you in a cast like we did in the days of Dominic Wilkins. No, we get you moving right away. And Clapper Vision, wait till I talk to you about the Clapper Vision for the rehab and why Kevin Durant is going to take over these playoffs, in my opinion. Can't wait. We'll do Clapper Vision today as well. But let's get right into it. Rebecca, let's talk about you, Masakela leaving South Africa because of the brutal treatment of African-Americans in that country. He couldn't stay there anymore. He came to America in 1960. And who took him under his wing but Harry Belafonte? Let's listen to the You Masakela interview by Jon Snow, number one. Masakela left the brutal apartheid of his birthplace and found success in America and here in Europe. But his music always reflected his African roots and, during his years in exile, became one of the inspirational sounds of the struggle for justice and change. His songs protested about apartheid and slavery, the government, everyday hardships and oppression. Keeping alive the spirit of survival and liberation through his music, Bring Him Back Home became the anthem of the campaign to free Nelson Mandela and defeat apartheid. How did it start for him? How did he become such a good trumpet player? It came from watching a movie with none other than Kirk Douglas. Oh my God. Let's listen to number two. You were an early starter. You were playing the piano by the age of five. What? got you to the trumpet? Um, I saw a film called Young Men with the Horn. It's a story of Big Spiderbeck. And in it, um, uh, Kirk Douglas played the part. And I went with a friend of mine. He had told me about the movie, and he said, we've got to go and see this. And when we came back, we realized that we had to be trumpet players. Can you imagine? Let's go to Capital Talk, You Gela, number one. Let's listen to how Harry Belafonte enters his life to encourage him to do more. Number one. The word was, because I was a bebopper, so I was jamming with everybody, and the word was, oh, man, there's a little uh, young African here playing like Brownie, because Clifford Brown was my favorite. And so, like, um, uh, um, Miriam and, 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 uh, and, and, and Belafonte, you know, helped me t- through school. And number two. And I had, to, I had to work in Belafonte's uh, publishing company. Because said, man, we got the money, but we ain't going to make it easy for you. You're going to be able to pay your rent. You've got to work. don't want to spoil you, but you got to. And then he got me on Miriam's second album to play muted trumpet on four songs. Yeah. On the many voices of Miriam Akeba. 
And that was a big hit, but the most played songs were the ones where, you know, I accompanied her on, on muted trumpet. Yeah. And uh, so then I started getting um, um, offers, you know, to record. And now let's listen to LWF number two. This is one of his bandmates, Morris Goldberg, talking about he was going beyond. I mean, he wasn't the greatest trumpet player in the world. But this encouragement from Harry Belafonte allowed him to do something so special. Number two from LWF2, 2018. He had a unique way of playing. He, he may not have been the most technical trumpet player, but he, he had an original way of playing, and that's what people that's what people go for, they hear. So you'll hear it in now Friends of Distinction, also 1968, a song that Yuma Scheller brought to the world, going beyond his wildest dreams because of the encouragement of Harry Belafonte. Let's hear that. Impressive. The encouragement to do more. It's a beautiful thing. 1968. This was a number one hit. Thanks to you, Masakela. What about in sports? Well, let's go to the Olympics. Dick Fosbury. Let's go to how one man changed the high jump. Number one. The Olympic high jump changed forever on October 20th, 1968. The location was Mexico City was normal until a gangly 21-year-old civil engineering student in mismatched running shoes did this. That man's name was Dick Fosbury. And number two? In 1968, it was revolutionary. On that day in Mexico City, the Olympic Games saw its first Fosbury flop. And it has rarely seen anything else ever since. The high jump has been a part of the Olympic Games since the beginning. Faster, higher, stronger. It's there in the motto. And down the years, techniques have changed to inch that little bit higher. What started with a standing jump went through a period where scissors were the vogue. Then a straddle and the western roll. Each a little better than the last. And number three. But over in Portland, Oregon, in the mid-1960s, the young Dick Fosbury was a lousy straddler. He watched his hero Valerie Brumel break record after record. But the only thing Fosbury broke was his hand. Someone had bet him he couldn't jump over a chair, and he couldn't. But that was before Fosbury tried something new. And this is what he did. This is an engineer realizing it ain't going to work unless I do something different. The encouragement from his coaches is really what led to him blazing a trail, changing the world forever in sports. Next. Fosbury applied some mechanics and learned that by arching his back, a jumper center of gravity can stay below the bar, even as the body sailed over it. If they get into that perfect arch, it's a mechanical advantage uh, to use that technique. Jumpers before took off from the foot nearest the bar, 
and span in the air to kick their other leg over first. But Fosbury changed the run-up and flipped the technique. Sawdust replaced sand, then foam appeared for the jumpers to land on. Let's go to the Dick Fosbury interview developing the Fosbury flop. He ends up winning the gold medal in Mexico City, shocking the world. Number one. When I developed this technique, it was not that I was trying to win, but I was trying to not lose. I was the worst high jumper on our team and in in our league. And I was very frustrated. Uh, my coach allowed me to go back to using the old scissor style, which I had first started with. And, you know, just I had that intensity and focus uh, of my mind uh, to succeed. And, and my body simply followed and adapted to the bar. He's giving credit to the coach for letting him do something upside down and backwards. Number two. And my body changed its position going from sitting up over the bar to laying flat on my back. By the end of the day, I, I improved by half a foot in one day. And I knew then that I, I may have something in uh, 1968 in, in Mexico. And let's go to the Dick Fosbury interview number two. I actually started with the scissor styles. I learned both, the roll and the scissors, as a boy. And when I reached uh, high school at the age of 16, that's where my coach explained the disadvantage of using the scissor style. Uh, so he convinced me to, to learn the classic style. I worked at that for, uh, for a couple of months with very poor results. And finally, I was ready to give up. Uh, my coach said that I could use the scissors uh, again as I requested. And, and in that next meet, really motivated to make this not my last uh, track meet ever, I, I learned to jump higher by adapting that style and modernizing it into something that was more efficient and I could uh, jump higher. Today's topic, learning all about how to Make a dream come true, but it comes from a talent of focus and encouragement from a total stranger or from someone really close. In the case of Keith Erickson, to win with John Wooden, to win with the Lakers, to win with Chick Hearn, where does that encouragement come from? We're going to learn at 8.15, but we see it already in 1968 in music with you, Masakela, and we saw it in sports in Mexico City in the Olympics where a mediocre high jumper got a gold medal and changed the world because of focus and encouragement to go beyond his wildest dreams. Coming up next, the clinic will be open. We'll talk about your dreams, my dreams, and how they came true. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show presented by Cedar Sinai on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh my God. That's amazing. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. With hair on top of my head. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. 
Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Friends of distinction. But don't mistake that trumpet sound for anything other than the distinction of a South African trumpet player, Hugh Masekela, who in 1968 had a number one song. He came to this country with his trumpet. That's it, in 1960. But he immediately was adopted by Harry Belafonte, who said, I'm going to take care of you. And by the way, I know you love American music, and that's why you're here. But do it your own way. Do it your African way. Bring that to the table, that unique sound. Bebop is great. But play the trumpet with your own style. It was Harry Belafonte who encouraged you, Masakela, to become the icon for South Africa that he ultimately became. It's a beautiful story. And it's inspired by the fact that Keith Erickson is going to be my guest at 8.15. A man who also did so much, went beyond his wildest dreams because of encouragement by his coach. You know, it is the Weekend Warriors show when we got to talk about food. This week I had one major disaster with food and one complete revelation. I had a muffin this week, okay? There's blueberry muffins, there's corn muffins, there's all kinds of muffins. Have you ever had a pineapple and walnut muffin? Changed my life. I was encouraged to get this muffin, and I would eat it slowly after I went surfing on Sunday. Well, needless to say, that muffin didn't make it to the car. I'll tell you a little later where you can get that muffin. The disaster came from the fact that you really can't go to a restaurant and eat in anymore. So I'm continuing to try to make stuff at home. And what do I want to make at home? Well, the New York Times had an article about a Chinese restaurant, Szechuan Chinese restaurant in New York, that makes my favorite, you know, egg rolls. The New York-style Chinese food is amazing. But of all that, there is a dish that is truly my number one favorite. They're called cold sesame noodles. Tastes like peanut butter, but it's sesame mixed into Chinese noodles. And the New York Times had a recipe for how to make New York-style sesame Chinese noodles. I had to ask my physician assistant, who's from Saipan, to help me get some of these ingredients, like sesame paste and the actual noodles themselves, because up until now, I thought you could just use spaghetti. Forget about it, you can't. Marco Polo, the Italian, went to China and actually learned what pasta was from the Chinese. I bet you didn't know that. Everybody thinks it comes from Italy. It comes from Italy now, but they learned about pasta, the Italians, from Marco Polo going to China. It actually started in China. But here we go again. I, it's just like the pecan pie disaster last week. I laid out all the ingredients that they said you should have, combined them, and guess what? It tastes terrible. It was awful. So maybe the, the the learning lesson is, if you're a Jewish guy from New York, stay away from the Chinese cooking. 
I'm good at the Chinese eating, but maybe not at the cooking. My wife convinced me that. You know what? It actually tastes better the next day, the day after. She's being too nice. I just cannot make New York-style Szechuan cold noodles. But I tried anyway. But at least I'll be able to encourage you with the pineapple walnut muffin. That'll be our food item for this week, and I'll tell you where to get it a little bit later in the show. I definitely want to talk about Clapper vision as it relates to Kevin Durant. I had a great conversation in the locker room yesterday in surgery with my one of my favorite foot and ankle surgeons at Cedars, Dr. Tim Charlton. If you ever need a good foot and ankle surgeon, he's terrific. So smart. And I couldn't help but talk about Clapper vision because I wanted to talk to him about Kevin Durant tearing his Achilles tendon and now going to blow it up, in my opinion, Big time. Probably will be the MVP of the playoffs, in my opinion. And this is after having Achilles tendon surgery. Why is he able to recover so well? Why can the modern athlete not be like Dominic Wilkins? What are we doing differently that allows this injury to go from, just like we did with Tommy John surgery, the elbow ligament ended Sandy Koufax's pitching career. By the same token, Strasburg and every other major league pitcher, it seems, has Tommy John surgery and can come back. We changed that injury. Adrian Peterson almost broke Eric Dickerson's rushing record after the same injury that ended Gail Sayre's career. What are we doing differently in Achilles tendon surgery that allows Kevin Durant to come back like nobody's business. And yet Dominic Wilkins put in a cast after his Achilles tendon, reattaching the two ends of the tendon. What are we doing that's modernizing this surgery? Well, my answer is we're dealing with everything from how we do the surgery and lock the stitches to the kind of stitches that we use And most importantly, the rehabilitation is different. We used to believe in orthopedic surgery that you had to immobilize a torn tendon in a cast for six weeks to get it to heal and then start the rehab. Actually, no. You need to start moving. Even though the tendon was torn and repaired, you better start moving it right away. Why is that? Because the type of collagen, it's either type 1 or type 3 collagen, the reparative type of collagen that's needed actually becomes a better type of repair collagen. The scar is more flexible. It's more elastic if you actually can get someone moving right away. What's a good clap revision to help make that make sense? So here it comes. Imagine two girls, I guess you can say men too, but let's just stick with girls because I'm 63 or almost 63. Next month's my birthday. I can't believe it. Two girls having ponytails. Not that men can't have ponytails, but let's talk about two young girls who have beautiful hair and it's in a ponytail. When I make an incision and look at the Achilles tendon rupture, that's what I see. I see two girls the ends of the ponytails touching each other. It's not connected as one long ponytail. 
It's two separate ponytails that I have to somehow bring together. Well, how would you do it? You, in essence, would try and tie a knot and braid these beautiful strands of hair. You have to tie them up together. That's, in essence, what you're doing with surgery. But when you put someone in a cast, you have that giant knot of the two ponytails together. When we start moving you, however, instead of putting you in a cast and let you start moving that repair, it's in essence, here's the clapper vision, that you took out a comb. And instead of leaving the ponytail as a knotted, braided, two ponytails connected, that you actually took out a comb and started to comb the braid, making the strands of hair straight again. That's actually what happens. Moving your ankle after the surgery right away actually allows the knotted braid tying the two ends together to be combed out to become long strands of hair as a single unit again. And that's the beauty. And the key third element, the surgery is better, the suture material is better, and the third element, the rehab is better. And that's why we're going to see Kevin Durant tear it up, no pun intended, but blow up, no pun intended, take over, actually, this new round of NBA basketball that's going to take place July 31st. Can't wait to see it. Even though he's not a Laker, I got to root for the orthopedic surgery involved, taking care of one of the most devastating injuries that can happen to an NBA player. And I just cannot wait to see him change the world yet again. Coming up next, I'll take your calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. And I definitely want to take you into the operating room this week and all that I did, fascinating cases to the ACL, fascinating cases to a total hip that I did that will really amaze you. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show presented by Cedar sinai on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. What? Who are you? What did you just say? Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. He's chiseled out of marble. He's got 48 chest and a 32-inch waist. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. It's a beautiful morning. Welcome back, Weekend Beautiful morning, the Rascals. 1968, this song came out. Bunch of Italian guys from New Jersey changed the world. It's a beautiful thing, and it's a beautiful morning, each and every Saturday morning. Thanks so much for tuning in and telling your friends. It's why I spent 12 hours in surgery on Friday, and I cannot wait to get up early Saturday morning. For almost 10 years now to be with you. Just a beautiful morning. The Rascals. All right, let's take some calls. The numbers 877-710-ESPN. 
Let's go to Michael. Michael, thanks for hanging on. It's almost like you've been hanging on for the whole week because you called last week. We couldn't take you, so it's my pleasure to help you today. I guess you say what can make Michael feel this way. Clapper, clapper, talking about clapper, clapper. I've been waiting all week to do that. Oh, I love it. Thank you. <laughs> hey, the, the other one I was going to do was, uh, uh, oh, God, now I already forgot. But anyway, <laughs> hey, I, I, I called you a few weeks ago about my, I had a neck injury, like a pinched nerve, and then my arm was like almost useless. Now I'm 100% through chiropractic. Oh. Yeah, this chiropractor is really tough on me. Like it put bruises on my arm and my 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 neck. But I'm 100%, but I'm having a hard time getting up. Um, I'm just paddling. I'm not standing up yet, but I don't have any strength from not using my arm. Yep. And how am I going to build that strength back up? I asked my doctor, I said, am I ever going to surf again? I started crying because that's been my whole life. But uh, I'm so impatient. I just want to surf and rip right now. Well, the waves are pretty good. I can't wait to be there tomorrow. And it was awesome last Sunday. Last Sunday, I paddled out with my friends as before the sun came up. The first hour and a half, I caught three waves. It was so frustrating because you could see the waves, but they would then just fizzle out while you were trying to catch it. It was frustrating. Hour and a half, I caught three waves. Good waves, but only three. But the last, the next half hour, in that next half hour, I changed where I was. I paddled to from the point to the cove, and you know what? I caught six beautiful waves in a half an hour. It, it got, I got the biggest smile on my face the rest of the week. Michael, it will come back. The more you get in the water, the more you use it, the more it will come back. That's the paradox of injuries. That's the paradox of getting older and losing strength. The reality is, is rest is great. But the more you actually demand, the more your body will come to the rescue. So what's my solution for you? Get in the water and keep paddling. The strength will come back. The range of motion will come back. And as far as your chiropractor, you know, orthopedic surgeons were almost bred. The biology department hates the chemistry department. The math department hates the computer science department. I'm supposed to tell you I don't want to respect chiropractors or podiatrists. No, everybody has a place at the table. And my dad was a carpenter. I grew up with a man who worked hard lifting things, banging on things, physical labor. That was my dad. And to this day, I've been an orthopedic surgeon in practice for 31 years. I still really don't know what a chiropractor does with their techniques. But I have a very warm place in my heart for chiropractors because I remember as a young boy watching my dad and his back be in terrible pain and he get in his olive green VW bus. That's his, that was his, his truck, if you will, that he tricked out with all his tools in the back. And I would drive with him to the chiropractor and he got better. So God bless the chiropractor who's taking care of you. And God bless the chiropractor because, listen, you want to avoid surgery. And they would be a great first place to go. However, if you've got a foot drop, if you've got 
blatant numbness and weakness, that's different. Then you need an MRI. You need to see what the nerve looks like. And if conservative treatment, including a chiropractor, is failing, then the next step is orthopedic surgery or neurosurgery. There's a place for everyone at the table. You know what I don't like? Cortisone shots. That I don't want to do. You know what I don't like? Pills to take. I like being holistic. Yeah, so, you know, they're all, all the chiropractors have different philosophies and different treatments, but I just wish the doctors would work with the chiropractor. Correct. Because you're always talking about holistic, and that's about as holistic as you get. Correct. But you do have to recognize that, and there are many, many good chiropractors that I, that I know and that I work with. They also realize, go see Dr. Clapper, because I can't help you anymore. Your hip is bone on bone. I can't help you anymore because your shoulder is bone on bone or this is your rotator cuff. But absolutely, to treat someone conservatively first, that is what I am all about. I am a surgeon telling you, please don't have surgery until you've tried everything first. And it's important for the chiropractor to recognize I'm not seeing any progress. I've hit the wall. Don't have a cortisone shot. Don't take a pill. Time for you to see a surgeon. That's how everybody sits at the table. And you know what that table looks like to me, Michael? It looks Uh, like the painting that Leonardo da Vinci made called The Last Supper. That painting shows to me what medicine should be. What's sitting at the table is your internist, the surgeon, the physical therapist, the chiropractor, the podiatrist. Everybody's sitting at that table just like Jesus is sitting right there in the middle of Leonardo da Vinci's The Last Supper. Michael, thanks so much for calling because I got to talk about Leonardo da Vinci and you made my day. Appreciate it. And have a great day today. Okay. All right, young man. God bless you. All right, Warriors, the number is 877-710-ESPN. We'll take a break, pay some bills. I'll come back. And I got to tell you where to get that pineapple walnut muffin. Because that changed my life this week. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show presented by Cedar sinai on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Tell him Dr. Clapper sent you. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Hey, it's 7 o'clock in the morning. Forget about it there, all right? No more beer. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Why am I playing Marvin Gaye? That was the song was a number one hit in 1968. And at 8.15, I'm going to be talking to UCLA legend, Laker legend, Keith Erickson, who joined the Lakers in 1968 and changed the world forever here in Los Angeles. Who encouraged Keith Erickson to go beyond his wildest dreams? And we're going to learn at 8.15. That's today's topic, getting beyond your wildest dreams Because someone encouraged you. What a great thing to talk about on a Saturday morning. What I really like talking about is to you, the Weekend Warriors. The number is 877-710-ESPN. Let's go to Marty. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Clapper, uh, happy to talk to you. So, Marty, what do you, how old are you and what do you do for a living? I'm 52. I'm a telecommunications engineer and it's kind of slow. (laughs) Yeah. Where did you, where did you grow up? 
here in Los Angeles. What high school? Fairfax High School. Fairfax High School? Wow! That's fantastic. Yeah. So who was in your high school class that we saw in the movies or on television? Well, they weren't exactly my class, but I know um, some of the Red Hot Chili Peppers were there a couple of years before me. Oh, wow. Um, back in the day, Ricardo Montalban. Oh. That's what I know of. And what did your father do for a living? Kind of like your dad. He was a handyman. He had a truck uh, with tools. I used to go out to work with him a bunch. Um, he did everything. He was mostly a house painter, but, you know, whatever was required, he'd figure it out. Did he yeah, ever he say was, to you, did he ever say to you, Marty, Marty, do me a favor. Don't do what I do. Look at how hard I work. All the time. Go to, all the go time. to school. Use your brain. Yeah. Don't be like yeah. me. And all I wanted to do every time he said that was say, this is the man I want to be like. I want to yeah. be like a man like that who has blisters and calluses <laughs> on his hands, who works hard and sweats and is so kind and gracious to everybody. That was the man. And he just kept telling me, no, I'm a failure. Don't be like me. And it was it was an amazing thing to grow up with a man like that. So you and I, in retrospect, were actually the luckiest people in the world because it ain't about the money. It's about growing up with decency and class. And we're going to talk about a man who exemplified all that in John Wooden. And who knew John Wooden better than anybody? My guest at 815 is going to be Keith Erickson. And in the end... Those are the things you want in life that are priceless. And that's why when I'll tell the callers, I just helped you. Now you go find a total stranger and do something nice for them. You can't imagine how good it feels to be that person to do good. What You should almost thank that person you're helping because of how good you feel afterwards. It's awesome. So good for you. All right. How can I help you're, you? What's you're 100% up? right on that. It, to help someone else makes you feel good too. It's yeah, really for does. sure. For yeah. sure. Okay, so, so to get to the point, I'm an intermediate surfer. I started surfing the last, like, three or four years. So I started being able to pop up and get pretty decent. But along the way, my right elbow on the outside, you know, I think I was getting tendonitis. So I went to so, Kaiser. Uh, so let's do this, yeah. Marty. First of all, you were righty or lefty? I'm a, I'm a, a righty. Like, I'm not goofy foot or anything like that. No, so you're right-hand dominant. And if yep. you now take your arms, palms up, the side of your elbow that we're talking about, is it the thumb side of your elbow or is it the little finger, the pinky side of your elbow? Palms up. Little finger. Little finger. So you do not have tennis elbow. Tennis oh. elbow is the lateral side, the thumb side of your elbow when your palms up. The, the, we call it golfer's elbow, actually. Oh, don't when it's, elbow I have. That's what I have. Yes, okay. that's exactly what you have on the ulnar okay. side and living right there, right under the knee, uh, under the skin, subcutaneously is the nerve called the ulnar nerve, the funny bone nerve. That's the side. That's why you better not let anybody shoot you with cortisone with a needle or stem cells or any cockamamie needles because the, the nerve is living right there. So please, no cortisone shots well, for this. I got Based, bad news for you. I've already had them. It's, there you go. Well, Kaiser, that's, it's I not got, bad it's news just, for me, Marty. It's bad news for yeah. you. 
yeah. This uh, is yeah. what's so fascinating about the anatomy of the yeah. medial side of the elbow, because what yeah. lives there is the origin. And under the microscope, it literally looks like two pieces of Velcro that are attaching to each other. And you know what it's like when you've got a fresh piece of Velcro, brand new sneakers that have Velcro, whatever it is where you see Velcro, and you have a fresh piece, not an old one, but fresh, and you try to rip it apart, it is hard. It is hard to do. That's exactly what, under the microscope, the muscle anchoring to that bone looks like. Now, what muscles are anchoring to that part of the elbow? The muscles that actually allow you to flex your wrist palm up and allow you to make a fist. The flexors of the elbow, they originate on the medial side of the elbow. And what you have done with exercise, with your work, not so much with surfing, but anytime you're flexing, if you go to the gym, do lots of curls, for example, you are microscopically separating the two pieces of Velcro by ripping the origin of the muscle off of the bone. They're called Sharpie's fibers. They're these, mm. it seems like billions of tiny little attachments of the muscle into the bone, like two pieces of Velcro. So what do you do to help this? One of the easiest ways you can address this is to go to the sporting goods store, or you don't even need to go there anymore. Everything's online. Go online and for $10, Buy a neoprene, same stuff the surf, uh, the wetsuit's made of, a neoprene type of sleeve to wear over your elbow. This okay. elegantly allows the good part of the muscle that isn't torn to help the portion that's torn by, by, um, supporting it, if you will. But get that sleeve. You don't need a hole cut out, just a regular sleeve. That's the first thing that I love to do for tennis elbow. Shots. The last thing that I want to do, this will go on to heal with that sleeve. One of the things that can actually enhance the healing is vitamin C. So don't take a pill because you pee it right out. Not a carton of orange juice because it's too labile. Fresh citrus. Get a juicer. Oranges, grapefruit, fresh tomatoes, fresh strawberries, kiwis. The number one source of fresh vitamin C in our diet are red bell peppers. Load up on those. Those will make a difference. If ever there was a case where physical therapy with ultrasound and other tools and toys that they have could help, it would be here. If it persists, Marty, then getting an MRI would be very, very helpful. But right now, okay. this is the approach I would do for a month. If it doesn't get better, you'll get the MRI. But I'm very optimistic this will get better, and don't let them give you shots anymore. Appreciate that. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you so much. Appreciate the time. All right, Marty. Take a find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's yeah, how you'll I'll be thanking that. me. All right, Let's young man. Fight. God bless you. Thank you so much. All right, Warriors. We'll take a break. We'll pay some bills. Um, come back quickly for the last segment. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar Sinai on ESPN LA 710 and the ESPN app. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Just have a few, uh, couple of minutes here to let you know at 815, my guest is Keith Erickson, a legendary athlete sportscaster here in Los Angeles. Won two championships with John Wooden at UCLA and won a championship with the Lakers in 1972. 
Keith Erickson joined the Lakers in 1968. Due to encouragement from a coach, he was able to go beyond his wildest dreams. And it made me think all week, where else do we see that connection in 1968 in art and in sports where someone was encouraged to go beyond their wildest dreams? In music, it was you, Masakela, who had a number one hit called Grazing in the Grass, and you'll hear his story coming up in a minute, as well as Dick Fosbury, the Olympic athlete who changed the world of the high jump because of his coach encouraging him, yeah, you're an engineer, I guess you can jump upside down and backwards, and he won a gold medal in 1968 in the Olympics. We'll get into it more coming up next here on the Weekend Warriors Show on 710 ESPN.